knowing as as, you, as I do your work ethic, you pour everything into your. I'm not saying other artists don't, but for me it seems that you go that extra dare I say green mile <laughs> to throw in a pub. And we'll come to sort of all the influences on that in Wonder Woman, certainly in The Brave and the Bold, with adding in paintings in the background and the kind of depth you looked at with the Irish mythology and all the stuff you're, you're putting into the Green Latin, but not to the detriment of your particular style and your artwork. And I think it's making it stronger and stronger and stronger, issue by issue by issue. And I think you're, you're aware of that as well. Well, it's a funny thing. I keep seeing in the reviews, and I'm... I'm <laughs> I love it, but it also adds like a ridiculous amount of pressure. So, oh, I'll stop doing Oh, no, no, no. It's like, basically what it is, it's like, unbelievably, this issue's better than the last one. And that's been three and a half years of, like, apparently every single issue I've done since the, the first Wonder Woman has got better and better and better and better and better and better. I don't think it has. I liked issue I, two, four, and <laughs> the Nicholas Scott one. But, but what I think, yeah, those are... What, what I think's happened is that, because my style's quite old-fashioned and there's not been anything like it for a long time, not really, um, it seems fresh. Uh, and, and I think actually what it is, is people are just getting used to it uh, again, you know, and finding it familiar. And so when they see the next issue, uh, they're appreciating the effort. And, they're, you know, we all... It's the same with everything. We sort of all a part of learning together I think and appreciating you know everything together so you I remember like the first time I read um, Electro Assassin the first issue I'd never seen anything like it and I, it took me a little while it took me a beat to, to really sort of figure it out and it was about three issues in before it, the light bulb went on and then uh, ever after that you know Bill Sienkiewicz has been like an absolute genius uh, in my mind and it's like I was learning with him and he was learning in the process too of doing those books uh, and I feel like you know me and the audience and the, and the, the people who are reading the book are learning with me and we're, we're all growing together yeah. into, into into this which is our kind of our run you know the people who were just coming on board and some of the the people who've been around for a long time I think some of the older fans, they, they get it because they see all the very early references. Um, but I think the younger fans are on a journey of learning with, with the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, with the Green Lantern, it seems that there's almost... Because each issue almost seems to be a different kind of story from the last mm. and certainly still keeps that police procedural in the background... I think, this, to me, it seems to be almost a different influence depending on what the kind of story is that you're telling. Yeah, and, it is. And, and that only adds further strength, more interactivity between the reader and the artist. Um, because I'd argue that we live in a world where the artist and the writer are both important. And I think it seems to be that you're really sort of buzzing off Grant Morrison and he seems to be buzzing off you. How does that partnership work? I think it's it just it's semi-telepathic now. <laughs> it's, uh, he, he writes very specifically for me now, which is lovely. Um, I've got his trust. He, he, knows that, um, he knows I'm an old fart like he is, and I've been around for a long time, so he can throw pretty much any, anything at me, and I, I usually get the references. Um, but I think you know sometimes the right person for the right book comes along at the right time, and oddly... I was just the right person for this book. Um, he said to me that he, he wouldn't have done it if I wasn't drawing it, which is high praise. I don't know if wow. it's entirely true. 
but I have no reason to doubt yeah. Grant at all. Um, but that's just me, just sort of, yeah. But were you ever a Green Lantern fan? Because we, we grew up in that sort of era where you had Dave Gibbons and that sort of draftsmanship style he brought yeah, to those Dave. covers. The ones that I've memorised in here, they, and, and, and I wonder whether you picked up those issues back in the 80s, you know, when we were about three or four? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, well, I go back to the um, Neil Adams, um, yeah. Danny O'Neill run as well with the Green Arrow. Uh, that stuff was incredible. It, I think the three key artists that have influenced what I've doing. I love Ivan Rice, by the way. He's absolutely mm. astonishing. Um, but I, I can't look at that stuff without feeling overwhelmed and intimidated because of the you know the amount of uh, figure work that he. People say I'm detailed. My God. Yeah, you only got to look at the hair yeah. of one of his people. It's amazing. Um, but I didn't want it to. I mean, there's no. If I'd have, if I'd have tried to do something that was like the last twenty years, it, it would have been. I, I could have been in danger of just doing something that kind of was trying too hard to be the same, mm. uh, and so I needed to step back and rethink it all. And I went to the three main guys I think of um, for the Green Lantern, and that's uh, Neil Adams, Neil Adams um, Gil Kane, yeah, and and Dave Gibbons. So they probably they probably inform the 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 way I draw Hal more than anybody else. Yeah. yeah, and and how? I mean, you mentioned that Grant Morrison had you and you specifically in mind. Was it one of those things that he approached you about? Were you were aware that you were coming to the end of your run on Wonder Woman? Of course, you had um, that lovely series, The Brave and the Bold. Um, was that already on the cards, or was that no. something that came about as you were writing and drawing The Brave and the Bold? I think I, I don't know. I think I, I I'm starting to think there's more to. Uh, Grant's chaos magic <laughs> than perhaps I would like to give it credit for, you know. Being a... <laughs> it, it felt like the universe willed it into being. It, there was um, too many weird things that happened that just, like, we kept bumping into each other in random spots, you know. Ah. I, did a, I did a podcast about Wonder Woman and and ended up talking about a book that I'd written called Paradise Rex Press, and and the people who were in, uh, interviewing me said, Have it, "Has Grant Morrison read that?" You know, it sounds like something he'd really love. And I said, "Actually, with Grant, every time I meet him, I get completely tongue-tied because I'm a fan. I never know what to say to him, and I I kind of shuffle away, embarrassed, and then kick myself later for not having had a better conversation." Um, and they were saying, "Oh no, he's lovely. You should you should uh, you should talk to him." And literally two weeks later. I was coming out of a hotel in San Diego just at the end of the night and Grant's coming the other way. And he just went, Liam! <laughs> he gave me this massive hug and I was like, oh my God, this is really weird. And, and I was like, oh, Grant, how are you, mate? Um, and then, you know, right after that, then he read Paradise Rex and he absolutely loved it. And then he, then we bumped into each other at the Wonder Woman premiere and we just, you know, we, we, we were talking away and before we knew it, they were tearing down everything around us and we were the last two there. Um, and we started talking about um, doing like a, a creator-owned book because I'd said, oddly, I'd actually said, oh, I've got this idea about Batman going to an alien planet and solving a mystery on a planet where there's no crime. There's never been and someone's, there's been a murder and like, uh, and they need a detective so they come and get Batman that would have the Green Lantern in it. Mm. Actually, ended up, of course, being Brave and the Bold. Yeah. And Grant's like, no, no, I'm not going to do anything. Uh, I'm not going to do any more mainstream stuff. We'll do something creator and together. 
and we started throwing ideas around for that. But he was definitely, definitely, definitely never doing another mainstream um, series again, ongoing series again. And then Dan, I, I finished The Brave and the Bold, and uh, Dan said, uh, I, I actually pitched a, a, a Warlord series, and Dan said, yeah, yeah, it'd be great, but we need you to do Hawkman. I was like, Hawkman, okay. I'll think about that. And then uh, Scott Snyder was like, no, 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 I need you to do the Justice League. I was like, okay, that's a nice choice. Um, and then literally almost the next day, Dan phones up and says, this is really left field and you're not going to believe it. But how do you fancy doing the, Grand, uh, the Green Lantern with Grant Morrison? I was like, what, Grant? He said, yeah, well, we went for a meal and I pitched the Green Lantern. And he said, no, no, there's no way I'm going to do it. No way, I'm never doing another mainstream ongoing series. But if you're going to do the Green Lantern, you should do this. And then he <laughs> proceeded to talk himself into it for the next half hour. <laughs> Had you even thought at that point about what your next project was going to be? Or were there certain characters that you would love to have done? Like you said, people seem to be coming at you from all angles. Do Justice League. Do, you know, do Hawkman and Brian Hitch is killing it on that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Jorge Jimenez on, on Justice League are amazing. I know yeah. you've done some work on Justice League uh, as well. Any of them would have been fun. Uh, actually, the, I think with the, the Justice League, the only thing that gave me pause for thought was that it was going to be the part of the story that was Aquaman and uh, Wonder Woman. And uh, at that point, yeah. I was kind of like... Been there, done that. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I, lo I fell in love with Greg Rucker's version of Wonder Woman. I just mm -hmm. liked his voice for her. I liked who she was, and so when I uh, wrote the Brave and the Bold, I did everything I could to to be true to the version that we sort of co-created together, and uh, with Nicola yeah. as well, because that's just who I, that's just the voice I have in my head. And a lot, a lot of other writers write very different versions, and I just you know I, I think Scott's version is is a bit more badass, and uh, uh, um, and it would have been cool, but it would have been different. So it's just I had a little bit of a pause for thought there. Um, Hawk, Hawk and Rob Venditti, you can't go wrong, you know. It would have been a, yeah. it would have been great, and I did talk to him, and it did sound awesome. But because of this sort of gravity that I had with Grant, um, when Dan laid that on the table, it was just like, no, I've got to do that. And then when I heard it, it was like, definitely twelve issues, but ideally twenty-four. Um, and and then it was is like is it still twelve issues? No, it's twenty four. Good, excellent. Um, and it was uh, and, and, and it, would, it was then a case of like okay, I'm doing it, but no one else is doing it. And Dan tried to pull it forward and was like, no, no, you got to keep it back because I I'm doing all the issues. I, d I don't want the fill-ins. I don't want you know. And it yeah. wasn't that I was. I don't know about how you lot feel, but for me, when 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 I really care about a book. It's really frustrating, and it's not anything to do with the artists that are brought in to, to do fill-ins. It's just to do with um, it taking you out of the story a little bit. I think it really helps when you've got one team on a, on a, on a story, especially, and it's really nice if you can follow them for the whole arc and, and feel like you've got a body of work that you can put on the shelf and, and know that that team really cared, you know, and it has an absolutely um, mm. unified vision for the world. I think as well, I mean, especially, well, you know, the, the, the effort that I go to in, in terms of world building, um, it's quite frustrating when someone comes in and completely trashes your world and redesigns it all, and you go, that's not that place. <laughs> it's not how I see it. Um, 
So I, I, I fought pretty hard for that, and I've been working bloody hard to keep to make sure that that's the the case, you know, and stay ahead of uh, the deadlines and not get behind and not cause a late shipping or cause any kind of editorial hassles. But it's designed around two seasons, basically. So 12 issues, then a break, then another 12 issues. I mean, is that is that a model going... It seems to be the model that Marvel does, but they don't tell the readers. What I like about you is you said, right, this is a finite amount of issues. We'll get them out. There won't be any filling artists. It, it bodes well when you have the reprints, which is another market altogether. We're right. almost getting towards a European model here, which I always thought, in my mind, is the next step forward in the evolution of comics. Is this the way you see comics going, or is this just something that works for you and, 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 your, and Grant's team-up at the moment? I think if you can make it work like that, then all the better. I think it's hard to make it work like that, because, of course, they, they have to get the books out. They have their overheads, and they have... Mm you know, uh, targets that they have to meet. So um, they're between a rock and a hard place a lot of the time. And I think they're very happy when they get a team that is able to do that. But they, they you know, DC's pretty, in my experience, the last three and a half years, they really try hard to make sure that it's in arcs and they're, mm. the, 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 the actual, each little arc is not broken up too much and that it, when you jump to the next artist, that's the beginning of another little mini arc. And there might be a big over, overarching story for the whole thing, but each bit is, is, is as consistent as it can be. Um, and if you've got time, you can have a longer run like we're doing, uh, where you can have one team on, you know, 12, yeah. 12 issue run as opposed to a six issue run or a four issue run. Um, I th- but I, uh, to your point, I think that with digital, digital has changed the landscape, whether we like it or not. You know, it was inevitable, um, and I think it's really interesting because a lot of people are, are the, you know, New Comic Book Day is is a big day for digital readers as well. Um, they get on Comicsology and they download their latest issue, and quite a lot of people. Who, uh, I think where it is good is it, it's uh, it's a good entry point and um, they tend to come back and get the trades so at least they're buying okay yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and, and going back to your sort of the way you work on something like the Green Lantern I mean how much research goes into it I say you're very reverential of what's come before and mm. some of the beats from sci-fi and the pulpy sort of covers that you do I mean those don't just form overnight um, and of course with the internet nowadays it's mm. it's it's I dare say the artists aid rather than a hindrance. Sometimes it, it is, but actually DC are really good because they send. Um, there's so much in there. For a start, Grant um, is such a nerd that he, in his scripts, will tell you which issue, what year, what month this character was in. You know, way back to the sixties. Which is great. So at least you're not trying to guess. You know, he'll even tell you the name of the story, which is amazing. Um, but you do, I do end up with every issue um, on my desktop. I have. I'll end up with about twelve PDFs of 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 the issues that he's referenced, and then I've got to go through them and find the page and the character, and you know, and sometimes he spells it wrong, which doesn't help. And he's like, ah. Um, <laughs> But also editorial have been great because they, 
I can find them online sometimes. If I start over a weekend and they're not around, it, Grant makes it easy to find it. But um, the editorial send me the PDFs and they, they're, they're really on top of it. They've got some intern to go and scour the libraries. But half the time, even the edit- editors are going, who's this? Who's this character? They're completely forgotten. Sometimes these characters appear in one panel, yeah. in one, one issue. You know, they go, we've got Windlass appears like, in uh, a recent one. They're like, Windlass? Who's that? And he even finds, like, you know, there's even like an old Miss, uh, Marvel girl, a Marvel man, which is like, well, we can't call them that anymore, but, you know. They were there. But it adds, yeah. like, so you, not only are world-building creating something very original, which is what brings comics forward, but it feels like a DC comic, every bit of it. You know, there are characters where, certainly for me, I kind of remember who that guy is. And like, so I'll go to the internet and try and find it out. And that's what I mean about the inactivity of comics. Some comics you'll put down and you've read them. Other comics you'll come back to. I think with yours and Grant's comic, um, and maybe it's just the nerdiness in me, I feel like I do want to know more about the process behind it. And, right. and the sort of characters in it. And, I, and, it, and it adds that extra element of enjoyment when you can interact more with, with something like a comic. Grant's drawing on stuff that he read when he was a kid, you know. Yes. So he, he has a... I think he's he's got to be on some level a little bit like... A, mm. He's got to have a photo, photographic memory of some kind, you know. He seems to have no problem um, recalling... Uh, these stories and these characters and this uh, this imagery from the past. He just seems to dredge it up from somewhere. Wow. I mean, it's, it's profoundly... Uh, it, 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 his his ability to hold a, a huge arc together in his head um, is incredible. I know he takes a lot of notes. He actually thumbnails every issue. I don't know how many people know that, but he he, he, he draws it all out himself. He doesn't show me that. Oh, does, oh okay. No. Because he, he, you know, he's actually a very generous person to work with. So he doesn't, um, he would never impose himself on somebody like that. But the reason he does it is so that he knows it's possible. <laughs> Which is also like, damn you, Grant. <laughs> you just, you well, put, he's not yeah. seeming a right, an artist himself, is he, really? No, he's really good. He could have easily been uh, a professional artist um, if he'd chosen that, that route. Um, but... I mean, it's a funny thing. I said this to somebody recently. I think as you get older, and I just turned uh, 51, um, but you start to see that even though I've got a good amount of time ahead, you can sort of work it out in terms of issues. Okay, if I've got 20 years, how many issues is that? If I've got 10 years, how many issues is that? Grant said to me, I've got, he, he said categorically like, a year ago, I've got 15 more years left, and he, he knows exactly when the aliens are coming to get him again. Um, <laughs> I'd let, I wish you'd tell us then, uh, so we can get ready. He knows precisely the date and the time, and he'll be ready and waiting and looking forward to it. Um, I don't know what he's, what he, how he knows, what what he thinks is going to happen, but he's very precise about when his time frame is up. Um, but it, the interesting point about that is you start to realise, okay, there's a limited amount of time and I've got a hell of a lot I want to tell. And I, that, I, it's interesting too, because I start to equate that to like the way Kirby worked. It was like he just speeded up and up and up and up. And, you know, I remember when I was, this is a complete, div- I'm digressing completely. That's what the but, best panel's all about, I think, really. But But like with Kirby, 
when I was younger, I thought, this drawing is crazy, I don't get it. I, want, I wanted, like, Basima-type, really beautifully rendered mm. uh, anatomy and everything, and Kirby just seemed to throw all, everything to the wind. and just. But now, when I look at Kirby, it just makes me smile, it brings me joy, because what I'm seeing is a guy who's so determined to tell these stories that he's running 100 miles an hour, and it's always full of energy, it's always full of joy, and it's always completely recognisably his. Um, but I get it as well. I think you just, there's a point where it's like, I, I have these stories, I need to tell them. And I think with Grant, he had so much in his head as a writer that he made the right decision. He should be writing. He needed to be sharing that with us. And, and that's why his stories are so hyper-compressed because he has so many stories to tell, you know. He, he, in every issue, you know, sometimes you'll have a page with one little reference that is dealt with in maybe two panels that... Other writers had used three or four issues to, to tell a whole story, you know. Um, and I, I, I like both. I like hyper-compressed storytelling, and I, I, I like it when there's a lot of exposition. I don't have a favourite. I like it both. I like The Ultimates for me was a very slow reveal with, you know, Mark Miller and Brian Hitch on that thing. It was a, it was a, but one of the best comics I've ever read for me. Um, but at the same time, Grant also is one of the best writers I've ever read, and he does the exact opposite. Um, there isn't. It always frustrates me when people start getting grumpy about well, you know, it should be this, it should be this. It should, there's no should be. It can be whatever it wants to be. It's just whatever's your taste. He certainly seems to squeeze quite a lot into every yeah. issue of the Green Lantern. Sometimes I'm surprised in 22 pages how much he's he's put in. Surely that must make you have to work harder, doesn't it? <laughs> Is this one of the comic books where you probably had to work harder than maybe on another comic book? Let's use Brave the Bold, these, for example. Have you seen these eyes? <laughs> <laughs> that piss holes in the snow. Um, yeah, what's, no. an, what's an average day for you then on the Greenland? Because obviously I follow, I dare say a lot of people do, and it's almost with great pride and relief you say, right, I've finished that issue. And it is great pride and You've got it onto deadline, which is something a lot of artists can't do, regardless, for whatever reasons. But as I say, you know, what you've got here is, is, are you aware that this could possibly be looked back in time as one of those seminal runs in Green Lantern, just like, you know, Green Lantern hitting the road with um, um, Green Arrow and having those magic mushrooms was for me as a kid. <laughs> I didn't even know what that was about. <laughs> I think um, I think anything with Grant is likely to be remembered as seminal. So it's less about what I bring to the table and more about... Uh, uh, just a duty of care to the title because Grant's writing it and because it's the Green Lantern, you know? I think you'd be modest there. And what I, well, what it's I not mean, for me to say. No, no I know. I, well, I'll say it for you then. But I think a great run, we're talking about comics, we're talking about visual medium, and I think what makes great runs, it's not just a great story, it has to be the great arc. And because you're in so in simpatico with each yeah. other, like you said, almost telepathic, that's what I think makes a great comic. You can feel... The enthusiasm from both you and Grant fizzing off the page. I think I, I have to. I mean, normally when the issues come out, I look at it and all I ever see is the flaws. The one exception is I finally got to see the print uh, printed issue of issue seven. I don't know if anyone's That's seen just come that. That's come out one. this week, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I only saw it today. That one, I think, is probably probably the issue of my career so far. I think it's. Um, it's got something. And it's not always about the amount of detail, and it's not mm. always about... 
it's not even always about how good the drawing is. Sometimes what what makes it is 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 kind of a weird, undefinable thing that you just feel as much as anything. Um, but that that one has got a kind of innate magic to it. Um, everything just came together. It's really special. Wow. I'm very proud of that one. But hopefully there'll be a couple more of them in the run yeah, as well. Yeah, you know? well, with 24 issues, you don't know, so. But certainly, um, you know, you mentioned you always see your flaws. I hear that so often. Um, is it hard then, because I know you are a very modest person, is it hard then to come to a place like this, to come to, you know, bigger conventions in America and have all of these people fawning over you? Because they love your work and they get to know you, I suppose, either online because you are... A force of good online, like so many comic... Well, there's a lot on, and we're not going to mention comic games, but there are so many people out there who are a force for good, who do still seem to be fans of the medium, and, and not just say, I do this, I love it, but I don't read comics anymore, I don't follow other artists or writers anymore. Um, there's a lot in that there question is, to unpack. <laughs> It's, can it be overwhelming, I suppose? As, almost as overwhelming as that question. <laughs> I mean, um, what do you expect? <laughs> uh, no, of course. I, I don't know. Because I had a moment in the sun back in the early 90s, I had um, a very different experience then of being young and, uh, and you know, you're kind of a little bit more gung-ho when you're, when you're young. You don't fully appreciate the, the, the steps that have got you um, mm. onto the book that you're drawing, drawing at the time. So when I'm I know, 25 and drawing the Hulk, I was just a kid. Um, and it seemed like there'd been sort of logical steps to that. And now I realise that it doesn't matter about logic. It doesn't matter how, even how good you are half the time. The door's opening at the right time a billion to one doesn't matter because there's only so many books yeah you know yeah. there's only so many good books at dc there's only so many books at marvel when you figure out just how few they are in the big scheme of things and how many of us there are in the world the chances of getting on any of them mm. is, is is insanely slim um so i'm much more aware of the sort of rarefied air that i'm breathing I, I think there's something good about the gung-ho nature of being young in that you, you're prepared to sort of slaughter your gods and tear down the temples a little bit. Uh, and also, they were pre-internet days, so we didn't quite yeah. get the, <laughs> the same amount of slack, you know. It, God. Well, well, when I think, well, well doing the Hulk, there was an, uh, an issue that dealt with abortion, you know, that, which, if that was now, mm. I would have faced... <laughs> I could, can you imagine what I would have been facing on the Hulk on, on the internet? I know, yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many issues from the 90s right. like that, and even from the 80s, yes. So, um, I mean, the, the, the kind of balls of steel that we had when we were younger to just go and, you know... like. Tear, is the world changing, though? I mean, do we, I mean, obviously, we thankfully live in more liberal times and more sort of equal times. I mean, we've still got a long way to go. But do you think sometimes that could almost censor comics. Yeah, I do. I, it worries me about that too, because if we're scared, then if we're afraid and we start um, letting fandom backseat drive everything, mm. we're basically not being true creatives. We're, 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 you know, and that's not to say we shouldn't respect fandom, but the reality is every new generation has a new set of fans. So people who love 
Green Lantern that some will hate the 90s version but love the 80s version there'll be others who love the the 70s right but you know it's like it's like it's impossible everyone has their favorite version so you can't please everybody um and I don't want to sound like you know I I, I'm not as brave as I used to be Uh, I think the thing is it's, it's it's I'm working with Grant he doesn't care we we had we had him arrest we had Green Lantern arrest God you know yeah I, that was I, a great issue <laughs> I think um, so you know we're we're still having fun with it but but really what what I'm saying is my sense as a as an older person is not so privileged um, I feel. Very honoured to be drawing these characters. It may be that they're corporate characters, but that doesn't matter. They're still these iconic characters that have transcended, you know, the medium mm. in in ways that's pretty hard to comprehend, and probably will never happen again with with a, a new wave of characters. I don't think there's many. You know, even I think you got Hellboy maybe has come close. Um, some of the image characters, uh, mm. but it, but it's very hard. I, I don't know how many of them really are on the level of like a Superman or a Batman or a, a Wonder Woman or even a Green Lantern. You know, it's very hard to. So so just appreciating that it's rarefied air, and respecting the unbroken legacy of those characters yeah. Yeah. is. Um, it, it's more about that. It's more about respect for it, uh, and, and you know. Making damn sure that you you give it what it deserves, um, yes. because it does deserve your best. It does. You shouldn't be doing it if you're not going to treat an icon like that. You should just shouldn't. You shouldn't be doing it if you're not going to give it a hundred percent. So you know, yeah, it's changed, yeah, but yeah. it's overwhelming. It can, yes, definitely overwhelming. But in another way, I suppose. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned just turned fifty-one. That would often have been a death now for an artist or a writer back in the day. And, of course, we had all of those, Gene Colan, for example, who, you know, are forgotten about. And, and even But it wasn't were, for Kirby. Not for Kirby, no, that's um, true, yeah. But he was sort of maybe an exception to the rule, I suppose. Because look at someone like Jerry Ordway, for example, like that. You know, he doesn't get as much work as he used to. And yet, listening to Roy Thomas, to me, I can still remember every issue of All-Star Squadron. And right. because of what Jerry Ordway brought to it. Well, uh, maybe things have changed. I don't think comics is is ageist in any way. Okay. If it, if it was in the in the past, it might have been. Um, the fact that I'm the youngest person on the book, you know, Grant's fifty eight. Um, Tom Osakowski, I think he's in his seventies, um, and Steve Olaf is well into his sixties. So they think so, I'll call you Sunday. Though. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I mean, I'm the young whippersnapper, you know, upstart, you know, the young punk. That's, uh, I'd love to see that get together. <laughs> they're great. They're, they're, you know, they're all they're all so young at heart. You know. Yeah, yeah. Grant, you'd never imagine. Well, he, he's again, it's that chaos magic. I think he looks about forty-two. <laughs> um, Must be the further north you go in Britain, the better, <laughs> the better the air. It's just preserved in the ice. <laughs> Winter is coming. Um. So, so you've mentioned issue number seven, and of course we've had six issues before that. Um, are there any standout moments in terms of the script? Um, I don't, you know, which, I mean, I mean that God one was great, because it was a great red herring. It really was. And if anyone hasn't read it, I'm not going to spoil it for them. They should go and read it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, even in, I say, we just both seven love, issues. Yeah. 
and each one's been a cracker in their own way. But which ones you've had, actually enjoyed when you've maybe sat back and read it back to yourself? Do, oh, oh, they all make me laugh. And pre- pretty much every single issue's mm. got a funny line in it somewhere. But <laughs> I think three was the most Python-esque. <laughs> no, there's a, it's like when you've got Hal going, come on, he looks like this. And even the, the kind of evil villain just goes, so? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, we don't judge people by the way they look now. You know, It's like, but, 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 right, you're all under arrest. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah. I like the sort of preposterous nature of it. You know, you're drunk in, tra- in charge of a planet. Um, so I'm going to uh, put the whole, <laughs> the whole planet under arrest. Um, it's lovely because he, he has a he's got a great balance between somehow making this uh, police procedural completely preposterous. Um, people say weird. I think weird in the sense of like it's like um, classic weird fiction, um, but also very very funny and then suddenly kind of shocking. And if you can pull off shocking and moving in that. Um, Odd territory that the whole book is in. Then, yeah, you're a genius, really, and that that's that is the genius I think of Grant. He he makes us care even when it seems like yeah. impo- it's so bizarre and surreal that you couldn't possibly really care, you know. But you do, you do, you get swept up by it. Well, you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned the arti- artistic references that are close to your heart, and certainly they come through. But for me, especially with some of the more bizarro-looking lanterns, it has that vibe of. Alan Moore, that sort of bizarreness to it that, that only adds more fun to, you know, a universe full of daft looking aliens, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to see any of those back in again? I liked, I'm going to get his name wrong now, Volcano? Volcano? Volk. Volk, yeah. that was a great one. To me, that was straight out of those sort of Tales of the Green Lantern Court, yeah. those eight pages. Well, it was. Kev O'Neill. Yeah. So, you know, Kev O'Neill drew him before. We do have sort of. We, we kind of want to make sense of it, oddly. Yeah. And a lot of the science behind it is true. You know, it's as researched and state-of-the-art as you can get. So Grant's re- reading everything. But even, like, with Volk, we're like, how does he talk? Okay, he's, he's got to be, like, a... He's got to be like a magma being inside there, yeah. and the costume just keeps him together. And he must have like crystal vocal cords that uh, uh, that work when the magma pops out of it, which is why he has that kind of way of talking, you know. Uh, and then, and even down to like, and the fact that we, his face, you can, he's, the cloud above him has got a little bit of a face in it. Yeah, you know, which I, that really funny big long mouth and everything. And Grant's like, oh, can you imagine the concentration it takes to keep that face on the cloud? And I'm like, how does that even work? I'll, I'll, I'll roll with it. What's the of disbelief, right. isn't it? You know, you've got but, a lot. But the fact that that's where Grant's brain goes with it, can you imagine the concentration? Uh, but even then, you know, when he's in space, it's like there's no gravity, so it goes to a perfect sphere. And whether that's accurate or not, it, does, it doesn't really matter. It's fun. It's fun to think about. Is he then? I know it's caught to it. I'm going to open it up to questions from the floor in a moment. Um, so this will be my last question for now, um, unless there's no questions from the floor. Um, is he... I, I, it just popped into my head as we were talking about all these... Is he kind of trying to do what he did with Batman, make sense of all of... I mean, obviously... The Silver Age Green Lantern that we're dealing with here has got a, a shorter history, but my goodness, it's still convoluted. And maybe that's at the back of it as well, creating a comprehensive Green Lantern that anyone 
can get into on the ground floor? Honestly, I think that even with Wonder Woman and the rebirth thing, the whole idea of that, and I'm talk, talking to... Um, to, talking to Greg about that, the idea was it was a consolidation of everything that had mm. come before, and to make sense of it, and to pay homage to it, and to be you know um, reverential to it, um, without being completely strapped to it, of course, because yeah. that's impossible. Uh, I think you can absolutely apply that uh, thought process to what we're doing with the Green Lantern, in that it's a consolidation of. You know, as much of the history of it uh, as we can. And I, I, you see a little bit of that. I mean, even going back to Ran and everything, we were really determined that it would feel like an atom age story. Actually, you know, we, there's been such a kind of passage of time that when you make something look like it's from that period in sort of Art Nouveau and it, it, um, Art Deco, really, um, it feels alien now because it's, it's been long enough. So yeah. it's nice to put them back in in those original costumes, even like Alana, yeah. the costumes like is an old costume that I found in one of the very earliest books and, and Steve uh, Olaf coloured her in the same cost, uh, colours too. So there's, there's all, all, all the way through, you know, they've all appeared somewhere and we've tried to sort of go right back to the early ones, like, like the slavers, you know. <laughs> Those guys, I've stuck extra joints in their legs, but they did wear those stupid shorts and the caps and weird, you know, have big eyes. They all seem to have bug eyes with a single dot in, you know, just the weirdest looking things. But that, that's what Grant has this lovely glee about that. When he when he looks back, he'd just be like, they're the weirdest looking things, Liam. Look at the original. It's like, it's just like some fucking weirdest looking thing. Do that. Do that. So, yeah, so. Which is fine by me, because again, it, if you go back to those early references, the way they designed things and they thought about alien life was much more naive and, and all at once much weirder. You know? um, and I think that's really refreshing, because mm. I think there's been a tendency for us uh, probably 30 years to try and make aliens just... The bad guys just got bigger and bigger and bigger and more muscular and like had more pads and more you know things stuck on them and... Um, smaller and smaller noses and bigger, bigger chins. Mm. You know? It's like um, that's been a kind of tendency for every everything to kind of go, um, and it, it's nice. It's nice going against that and facing the challenge. I'm, that was really Grant's direction. Was like, don't go that way. Yeah. Let's not do the big hyper steroid version. Let's go back to the weird, yeah. scary, like. Very evocative, yeah. isn't it? It yeah. is very evocative. And I'd say it's evocative of a DC that has been before and a DC that kind of still exists now. Yeah. And also, I think, you know, I, I totally personally made the same mistake. I was drawn more and more to bigger and bigger, more muscular, kind of crazily huge things in, the, in my past. So it's actually quite refreshing for me to, to almost play against type a little yeah. bit with some yeah. of these, these characters. Um, Grant was like he, he loved the sort of the, the vertical eye openings he said oh it's like they're animated you know you could really see him moving with his eyes sort of closing like that trying to create um, 
expressions for an alien that, whose eyes open vertically is <laughs> really weird, but uh, you can do it. It's trying to test yeah. you, isn't he? I'm going to open it up to the audience because the last thing I said was a statement, not a question, so I got away with that. Any questions from the floor? I know Leonard's got one, so it's always nice to start off. I'm sure they'll be rolled in after this. Glenn? Um, well, it's uh, about the, the last two projects, which are the brain involvement, talking uh, the Greenland, which uh, the two different approaches. You have the brain involved, which you did the artwork, you did the script, it was something very much out of your brain, and it was a con controlled effort by yourself. Right. And then you have the Green Lantern, where you are collaborating with Grant. Which do you feel more um, rewarded by? It, the one where you are in control of the entire project, and you are pouring your heart and soul into the art and script, or kind of figuring out this, uh, this script that's coming at you, and kind of working out the puzzle that is Grant Morrison's script? I think the thing is I compartmentalise the two um, jobs. So if I'm writing, I don't. I try really hard not to write for me. I don't write for me, I really don't. The, the overall concept might be mine, but when I get my own scripts, I'll open them up and go, oh, you bastard, you're going to make me draw that. <laughs> Who is this guy? Who does he think I am? Cars? You drew a bloody car. I don't want to draw the Batmobile. Oh, you know, it's like... Um, horses? What? Right. I actually like drawing horses. I'm one of the few. I, love, I, I can draw them from my head. I, I really like drawing horses. Um, yeah, so the, I really like writing scripts. I've been pitching a few. I'm hoping uh, I've got some projects for other artists to draw uh, with me writing, which I'm... That, excites the hell out of me um brave and the bold of course there, there's whole layers to that the 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 fact that it was 30 years in the making i've wanted to do irish mythology for, forever you know I, and, and particularly canunas isn't irish he's a celtic god but um i've always loved canunas as a character and there was a point before i started doing death where i nearly went to bournemouth film school and one of the um things that I did was write a, a, a treatment for a, sh a short film which was basically Merlin and Canunas. Uh, it was almost like a, a Seventh Seal type thing with them playing chess on the top of a mountain and talking about the fate of men and I, I imagined it being very sort of Terry Gilliam with you know, wind and... <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, of course. But, but I, since then I had this... Canunus in my head as this character that I really, really wanted to um, mm. see see alive, you know, see, come to come to life in a, in the pages. Um, so that one's important, and also my father-in-law, who sadly died a couple of years ago. He 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 he'd been pushing me to do like Cullen or the Dawn or you know any number of like Irish mythology. Or, I was a big fan of Jim Fitzpatrick. I knew more about the Silver Arm and the Book of Conquest and all of that than I, than I did. I, I, I know the Torn. He's, it's all about him being, you know, which part of Ireland you're from quite often. So he, he's got, Cacullan uh, was his man. So I still sort of feel like I owe him a Cacullan story. Um, but, you know, it's being able to finally do something with the Irish myths in, and I, I, I changed the, the the last of the Dadanan kings and made him Finn McCool essentially. The, the names are really close, um, so I was able to put him in and the giant references and the causeway and all of those kinds of things. So that aspect of it is like that's really personal and makes it uh, special. Um, but I would say that 
much as that book I, I'm, you know, means more to me than I can ever express. I can't say that the process of doing it is one's more rewarding than another. I think what's been incredibly rewarding with uh, the Green Lantern is just how well it's gone across, given how evidently odd it is. You know, um, I love that it's 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 reached an audience, the audience it has. Yeah. So that's really rewarding. I think more than anything that when you get a great rapport with your audience that's where the real reward is because then you feel like you've connected in some kind of way there's a there's a different level of of feeling um satisfied when you're working and just loving your job and which is the bit you, also really important because that's love and if you don't do it with love then you shouldn't again you shouldn't be doing it so you do it all equally with love um but the reward is measured i think by uh, how well it connects with the, the people who like it and certainly with the brave and the bold, what I felt, you not only you've given them a pantheon of gods they could exploit if they wanted yeah. to, but you've also added something to Gotham City as well, well the Irish Quarter, which I didn't know existed, but I'd love to go for a pint there. Yeah. And I do, I do hope that these, you know, like you say, this will be, I hope someone picks that up at some point in the future. Well, I did end it as book one, but I realised at the end of that, it's like, oh God, I've really created like, so many potential Celtic stories monster. out of the back how do I, and then it's like what's the best follow up story because I love the idea of like so what's you've got these open port portals you've got a, you've got a border story you've got the immigrants coming through you know how how is how is a, the America of DC dealing with fairy immigrants coming out of Tiananmen yeah. you know uh, by the same token you've got other people who are probably down and out and in 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 Gotham and wherever else the portals are open going in looking for like a new life in in Tiernanog and you know setting up you can imagine starting like a little farmstead in a field somewhere in Tiernanog and so I'm a bit tired having to lie down waking up a hundred years later just saying like, everyone's dead well it's just so many there's so many possibilities yeah. and then what you know they've been stuck in there for a long time how they reflect the whole germ thing are they also, yeah. is there going to be a massive epidemic and you know, giants sort of collapsing in the street with the flu. And I suppose it's like Japan cut themselves off for 200 years, see a right. big boat coming, and then 20 years later, all the samurais are gone. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, we've got time for a couple more questions. It's only five to, and it seems every other panel went right up to the bone. Let's try and get this one up to the bone as well. Any questions? Alex? When you wanted to kind of get back into doing regular pages, and was it always DC that you were drawn to, or was there any consideration to go to Marvel or doing your own thing? Um... It was, it was wide open, actually. Um, a friend of mine who actually was a big collector of my art, he, he just said, when I said, oh, I really wanted to get back into it, he said, just start drawing superheroes again. Go mainstream. Start posting them. So I did I did a Hulk fighting the Abomination piece that I posted up, and I did uh, a Wolverine piece, and then I did, you know, Batman fighting Doc Croc, and, um, and I did... A, giant Batman in his uh, in his lair, you know, in the Batcave. So I wasn't really I wasn't really aiming in, it was all very open, you know, I didn't really have a have, No, not really Well So um, when, when, when Wonder Woman happened, it, it actually we, I, I, the bit that I missed out right at the beginning of this was that 
it was taking so long for Wonder Woman to come through and I kept thinking it was falling through and I'd sort of go, oh, thanks, but it looks like it's over. And Jim would go, no, no, wait, it's fine, we're, we're, we're happening. And then I'd hear nothing again for a long time. Um, in that process, in that period, just before Christmas, I got offered Conan when it was still at Dark Horse. Um, and as Conan I've wanted to do for 30 years. Well, longer, actually, since I was a kid. That's probably the one character that I've most wanted to draw for, for years and years and years. Um, and I got offered it. So going into Christmas, I was like, oh, I've got Conan. Awesome. So it swung round to January, January the 6th, and I emailed Jim right away, first day of work, and said, Jim, you know, thanks again for being behind me on Wonder Woman and everything. Really appreciate it. Oh, but um, I've been offered Conan, and it's like the book of... Uh, wanted to do all my life a dream project so it's all good it's fine and he just went no we need you to do Wonder Woman I was like, and I was, I was uh, actually made for at the time and I, went, I kind of went oh bloody hell they really do want yeah. me to do Wonder Woman and then it was like okay it took me less than a minute to decide between the two. And even when I told Dark Horse, they were like, yeah, well, of course you've got to go and do mm. Wonder Woman. Because it seemed like you could do Wonder Woman and then maybe down the line draw Conan one day. Yeah. But there's no way you were going to go the other way. And Right. Well, you know, hopefully one day. <laughs> yeah, one day. Know, do you? And I'm but, sure we'd all like to see that. But, there's, but on a, to some extent, you know, that itch was kind of scratched in Wonder Woman because of the... That was one of the things I thought. It's like, okay, what is it about Conan that I love? Well, it's the mythology, mm. it's the landscape, it's, the, it's creating a, a believable, fantastical world. And I thought, actually, you could do that with Wonder Woman anyway. And then Brave and the Bold, even more so, and I had total control over it. And, and then there's the other aspect, of, like with Wonder Woman, it's not just fantasy all the time. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's also superheroics, it's also a bit of sci-fi, it's also whatever else you want it to be. So it, it, in many ways, it probably is a little bit more fun to draw. And what was Dark Horse's loss was DC and DC comic fans' gain, I think. And on that bombshell, as they say, <laughs> we have out of time. Thank you for coming along. Thank you, Liam, for giving up your time today on right, a busy pack schedule. Back you go to the table and Do get you think something. they'll let me take this chair downstairs? <laughs> Does me I'll, have one, I'll have one of them. I'll ship it over. Stick around by Kieran Gillen if you want to, that's the next one, but thank you very much, Liam Sharp.